Today we are continuing our The Church is Like series, where we're taking some time to remind ourselves about the pictures that we find in uh, the Bible of what the church was always supposed to be like. Uh, These beautiful, amazing, diverse metaphors that help us to understand what we're supposed to be as a church together. And so, so far we have looked at the metaphor of family, reminding ourselves that uh, our responsibility is to be the best version of what spiritual family looks like, a place where people are accepted, where people can be authentic, a place where people feel encouraged, a place where people feel supported. That's the call of us as a church. We're also called to be like a body where we work together and where we appreciate the different things that people bring to the work that we do together, all under the headship of Jesus. And uh, we talked in, and when we talked about the body, about the metaphor of an orchestra to recognise that all of us bring our own gifts and our own abilities and our own talents. But when we work together, we can do something that's so much more significant than what we could just do on our own. We talked about the idea of the church being like a temple, recognising that the church has now replaced the Old Testament temple, uh, but not with another building. The church, as the group of people uh, who meet together as God's family, are now supposed to be the place where people encounter God in a real and tangible way, the same as they would have when they went into the Old Testament version of the temple. And then last week we talked about the church being like a beehive, where we unpack the idea of uh, us being the new priests who replaced the priests who used to work in the temple, uh, but recognising that we're the ones who do God's work, that we are God's workers, and we use that picture of a beehive to remind ourselves that we work together, but that we have work to do here in the hive, and then we also have work to do outside of this building as well, as we go out and come in and go out and come in as we work together. So I continue to be blown away by just how amazingly diverse all of those pictures are, and we've still got another couple left. It's amazing that God set this thing up that is called the church, which is meant to do all of those different things. Far from just being something that we go to once a week in one place where we have kind of our church experience, we think about the realities of all of those things that we're called to be together. It's really, really incredible and amazing. And so I hope that you have found it helpful as we've dug into that over the last few weeks. Today we're going to talk about the church is like a flock of sheep. And so we want to start, as we have a number of times throughout this series, with making sure that we understand the context in which what uh, we're talking about today was said. Because as Australians, when we think about a flock of sheep, we generally probably don't think about the same thing that Jesus was talking about when he called us a flock of sheep. So I uh, grew up in the country, so uh, I was born here in Adelaide, but when I was six months old we moved to Hawker in the Flinders Ranges, and then when I was three we moved to Yorktown on the York Peninsula, and then when I was ten we moved to Strathalban up in the hills, and I was there until I finished high school. And so we spent a lot of time hanging out with friends on farms, and uh, I have a lot of very fond memories of spending time on farms riding motorbikes and driving tractors and doing all sorts of fun things. But the picture that I have, because a lot of our friends were sheep farmers, when I think about a farmer and sheep, is a picture of a farmer who's in a ute or on a tractor driving sheep from behind, generally with one or more sheepdogs who are helping with that work. And the picture that we generally have is that sheep aren't really very bright and so they're kind of pushed forward and herded and hurry up and get to where you need to go and the sheep kind of snap at their heels and make sure that they end up where they need to go. So... If that's the picture that we have of what Jesus says when he wants to be our shepherd or our farmer, that we're all not very bright 
and that we need to be pushed from behind into what we need to do, that's going to taint a fair bit of what we're going to talk about today. The people who Jesus was talking about when he said this image of a a shepherd and of sheep was something very, very different. In Jesus' time, and this is still true in some parts of the Middle East today and other parts of the world, a shepherd didn't drive the sheep from behind. And the idea of having a massive flock of sheep, like we think about when we think about sheep farms here in Australia, uh, is not something that would have been familiar either. You would have a fairly small flock of sheep and a shepherd would lead the sheep from the front. So far from pushing the sheep from behind, a shepherd would walk in front of the sheep and the sheep would follow because they knew the shepherd's voice and they trusted the shepherd. And we'll unpack that a little bit more as we go through. But there's this beautiful picture that everyone who's listening to Jesus would have just taken for granted of the relationship that a shepherd has with sheep, which is a relationship of care, a relationship of dedication, a relationship of trust and knowing each other. So as we go through and we talk about this idea of being a flock of sheep, we want to keep that in mind, not the Australian picture that we might have in mind. This is a picture that has been used about the people of God for a very long time. So throughout the Old Testament, and Joe did a fantastic job of helping us to understand some of those snapshots that are in the Old Testament at the beginning, there was this picture of the perfect version of a king or a leader in the Old Testament was generally held up as a shepherd. And when we think about one of the greatest kings of Israel, we think about David, who was a shepherd and who was seen as a shepherd king. And so this image that God is the shepherd and the people of Israel are his sheep was something that went all the way through the Old Testament and was very, very familiar to all of them. But Jesus takes this imagery up a notch and says not only is he a shepherd who's come as a shepherd king or a shepherd leader, but he's the shepherd And in fact, he's the good shepherd. And he pushes that even further to say the people who are in his flock, who are led by him as the shepherd, are not just the people of Israel, but everyone is welcome. So let's have a look at what he says. John chapter 10, starting at verse 1. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognise his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, they'll run from him because they don't know his voice. So, Jesus here is talking about a couple of different images. He's partly talking about the idea of him being the gate and uh, we're not going to dig into that at all today because a couple of months ago we did that in one of our online services and uh, so you can feel free to go back. That's on the internet and on our podcast if you want to go back and have a listen to unpacking that metaphor. But as we focus on this idea of Jesus being the shepherd and us being the sheep, we recognise that the first responsibility of a shepherd is that a shepherd leads the sheep. And so, as I said, this is very different to our mindset about the way in which a shepherd and sheep interact. There was this great sense of knowing the shepherd's voice, knowing the sorts of things that the shepherd would say, knowing the tone of the shepherd's voice, and the sheep being able to completely trust the shepherd and know this is the person that I need to follow. Jesus compares that with someone else, a thief who just comes along, who just talks to the sheep and says, come and follow me, and the sheep know that's not the shepherd's voice. So I'm not going to follow that voice. 
that's obviously something that's cultivated over time. It's not something that happens quickly, but over time they develop this understanding of knowing the voice of the shepherd and trusting in following the shepherd because they know him. Jesus continues in verse 6 where he says, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So here, Jesus recognises, he can see, which is sometimes the look that I see on some of your faces, that they're not really understanding what he was saying. And so out of that, Jesus says, okay, let me explain what I'm trying to get across to you. Let me help you try and understand this a little bit more. And he says, the shepherd is the one who provides for the sheep. So not only does the shepherd lead the sheep, but the shepherd is also the one who provides for the sheep and leads them out into good pastures. And we unpack that a bit in Psalm 23. So the idea that a shepherd takes the sheep to where there's food to be able to eat, where there's water to be able to drink, there's clean, appropriate water, where there's shelter, where there's a place for them to be able to lie down and to be able to rest. And Jesus actually sums all that up by saying the shepherd comes to give life to the sheep. When we think about providing food and water and shelter and all of the things that Jesus is talking about there, it's really about exactly what he says, the idea of giving them a rich and satisfying life. Other translations talk about an abundant life or life to the fullest. That's what a shepherd does for the sheep, is to lead them somewhere where they can experience all that they're supposed to be able to experience. And Jesus compares that to a thief who wants to just steal and destroy the life of the sheep. So a thief who comes and drags the sheep away from the best pastures, away from where they should be, and ultimately takes life away from them. Now it's interesting because often when we think about this verse, John 10.10, it's a verse that many of us would have been very familiar with, particularly if we grew up around the church. When we talk about this idea of the thief coming to steal life, we generally think that that's a reference to Satan or to the devil. But in actual fact, most people would understand that what Jesus was saying here was talking about false teachers and false prophets. So this isn't the idea of the devil coming to steal life, but this is the idea about people who come to try and bring any other message other than the message that aligns with God's best. And here, again, that makes a lot of sense to say Jesus comes to bring us life, that the message that Jesus brings to us is to lead us to a place of abundant life. Whereas the message that other people bring to us, that we get from other people at times, where they say, this is the way to experience life, or you have to do these things in order to experience life, those things actually take life away from us and stop us from being able to experience all that God created us to be able to experience. We'll unpack that a little bit more in a second. So Jesus then continues in verse 11 and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. So here we see the third thing that Jesus talks about in terms of the role of the shepherd is that the shepherd is there to protect the sheep. And in actual fact, a good shepherd will lay down his life to protect the sheep. So if the sheep are out somewhere and a wolf comes and attacks, 
then the shepherd will stand in between the wolf and the sheep and if needs be, lay his life down to protect the sheep. Jesus again contrasts this with someone else who doesn't really care that much about the sheep, who at the first sign of danger says, nope, too hard, I'm out of here, and runs away and leaves the sheep to their own devices. Again, this is Jesus saying, the good shepherd will do everything in his power to be able to lay his life down so that the sheep can continue to experience that full, complete, abundant life. So, a shepherd leads the sheep, a shepherd provides for the sheep, and a shepherd protects the sheep. But the shepherd can do all of those things and yet not really achieve anything if the sheep aren't willing to be obedient and to follow the lead of the shepherd. And so this is where it's helpful for us to put ourselves into the recognition that as a church, we are a flock of sheep following Jesus as the shepherd. So in order to be able to be led by the shepherd, the sheep have to trust in the shepherd's voice. They have to make a decision to learn how to listen for the voice of the shepherd. And so for us, the implication of that is to say, are we learning to listen to the voice of Jesus? Do we know how to hear the voice of Jesus? Now, that might be a bit intimidating for some of us to think, oh, so is that, like, what is that supposed to sound like? What does Jesus actually sound like? Does he have an accent? Does he have a deep voice? <laughs> what does Jesus sound like? Does he speak from heaven? Most of us, our experience of hearing Jesus' voice starts with the Bible and being able to read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the four biographies that talk about Jesus and help us to understand what his voice sounds like. As we read Jesus' teaching, as we see the people that Jesus interacts with, we're able to understand a little bit more about what Jesus is like, to be able to understand the sorts of things that sound like Jesus. But when we pray, we also have an opportunity to be able to learn how to hear Jesus' voice. Now, this means that we need to stop long enough to actually listen, which sometimes I know I can be guilty of, that my prayer is all what I have to say, instead of stopping long enough to hear what Jesus has to say. But those little intuitions that we get at different times, hopefully even today as we spent that time at the beginning of the service reflecting, there's been moments of you being able to sense what Jesus might be saying to you. We're also able to hear Jesus' voice through each other. So we can learn together, but we can also ask each other, what do you think that Jesus is saying about this specific context that I'm in or this thing that I'm going through? Or what are you hearing Jesus say to you? It's really important that we take all of those things together because it can get a little dangerous, particularly if we just focus on the, I think Jesus told me this part of it and don't have anything else around that. There's some very, very bad things that have happened throughout history because people have thought that they've heard the voice of Jesus or the voice of God and have therefore done some very horrendous things. But when we take that with, does this line up with what we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John? When we come to each other and say, does this sound Jesus-y to you? We've got the opportunity to be able to with confidence say, okay, I'm getting to learn the voice of the shepherd more and more. It's not something that happens instantly, so the sheep don't suddenly know if they get a new shepherd who that shepherd is. It takes time to cultivate that relationship, to learn to listen, to learn, again, the tone of voice, the sorts of things that are said, the sorts of things that we recognise are Jesus-type things. So that's the first thing that we need to do as a flock of sheep is to learn to trust in the shepherd's voice. But secondly, we need to also trust in the provision of the shepherd. So Jesus can want to lead us to places where he can provide for us and where we can experience life all he wants, 
But if we're not willing to listen to his leading and to rely on his provision, then we'll miss out. The challenge for us, and again, we bring this back to the idea of some sheep, is that the sheep could quite easily say, nope, I actually think that, shepherd, you've got this wrong. I saw some really lovely grass that was over there yesterday, and so I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to eat that over there. Or I saw this really nice pond, and I think I might go down there and spend the day there instead of trusting in your provision. Obviously, the sheep don't do that. They follow the shepherd to where the shepherd provides and leads. The challenge for us is to say, do we rely on Jesus' provision as our shepherd as well? And specifically contrasting that idea of the shepherd's voice leading us to places where life can be experienced, contrasting that with the thief, false teachers who want to lead us away from that. So the challenge for us is to say, which voice are we listening to? Are we listening to the voice of Jesus or are we listening to the other voices that bombard us day in and day out? The voice of advertising, for example, that says, if you just get this, your life will be better. If you just have a new one of these, your life will be better. You'll experience life in so much better ways. But we know that ultimately that's not actually true. The more that we chase after those things, the more that life gets taken away from us, not given to us. Think about the voices that we hear in the media particularly some types of media. So whether that's the things that we read on the internet, whether that's the stuff that we read in newspapers, whether that's the stuff that we listen to on the news, people that we listen to on the radio, all of those are voices that are speaking to us as well and saying, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to live out in your life. We have to balance that and say, does this line up with the teaching of Jesus? Is this giving me life or is this taking life away from me? For those of us who are a bit younger, we recognise that the voice of social media is something that is very, very loud in our lives as well. And so social media is a voice that wants to speak to us, but it also tells us a whole bunch of things that actually take life away. Because what we see on social media is the best version of everyone's life. And so we believe, okay, well, my life's inadequate because look at all these other people doing all these amazing things and eating all this fantastic food, doing all of these great adventures and their lives are so great and mine's not. That's taking life away from us. So are we listening to the voice of the shepherd or are we listening to the voices that come from social media? Are we listening to voices that give us life and provide for us or are we listening to voices that are taking that away? And then thirdly, we need to trust in the protection of the shepherd. And again, if we come back to this picture of the sheep, so a wolf comes and attacks, the sheep have a couple of decisions to make in that moment. So do I stand behind the shepherd and trust that the shepherd is going to look after me and protect me, or do I just run and say, no, I'm going to be better off on my own? Now, obviously, for a wolf, that's perfect. Dinner time. Because if all of the sheep run... Excellent. (laughs) They're all scattered now, so I can go and grab whichever one that I want. The other option is that the sheep can panic, jump on top of each other and knock each other over and ultimately potentially even knock the shepherd over and stop the shepherd from being able to protect them. So as sheep who follow our shepherd, we have a choice to make when the storms come our way too. To say, are we going to rely on the protection that comes from Jesus? Or are we going to scatter? and just run and go and do our own thing and hope that we'll be able to survive? Or are we going to panic and freak out and end up knocking a whole bunch of things over that might end up causing more damage? Are we willing to trust in the protection that we have from our shepherd? 
The key theme that runs through all of that is obviously this word trust. At the end of the day, this relationship that Jesus is talking about, about the shepherd and us being a flock of sheep, is all to say Jesus wants us to be able to trust him, to be able to build a relationship with him where we can trust him, trust him to lead us, trust him to provide for us, trust him to protect us. But what Jesus says next is actually staggering when we think about what that relationship can look like. In verse 14, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them in also. They'll listen to my voice, and there'll be one flock with one shepherd. There's some really profound things that Jesus is saying in these couple of verses. He's saying that he knows us, But to take that a step further, he's saying that we can have the same kind of relationship with him that he has with God the Father. So just stop and think about that for a moment. Think about your picture of the relationship that Jesus has with God the Father. Close, intimate, complete understanding of each other, knowing each other, trusting each other. Jesus says that's the kind of relationship that we can have with him. That's staggering when you stop and think about the implications of that. And Jesus says that's what he's given us because he has laid down his life for us. Not he's going to, not he will if something dangerous comes along, but Jesus says, I have laid down my life so that this full, complete relationship can be available. This trust, intimate relationship is available to every single one of us right here, right now. That's amazing. And Jesus rounds all of this out by reminding us what we've talked about a couple of times throughout this series, that this is not just something that's true for the people of Israel. This is something that's true for everyone. Everyone has access to that kind of relationship with Jesus, regardless of background, regardless of where they're coming from, regardless of culture. Everyone has the ability to be under one shepherd, Jesus, and to be one flock united together because of him. So, I want to give you an opportunity to reflect on that, same as we've done throughout this series. So, uh, you've got the reflection question there on your page, and give you a moment uh, in a moment to be able to jot some thoughts down or talk with the person next to you. What would change if my first thought about our church was that we are a flock of sheep? So, what would change this week if, whenever you thought about Brooklyn Park Church of Christ, you thought we are a flock of sheep and Jesus is our shepherd? couple of things that might be helpful just to kind of prompt some thoughts. First one is, am I letting Jesus lead me? Am I learning how to trust the voice of Jesus? What does it mean for me to cultivate a relationship with Jesus so that I can hear him clearer and clearer? So maybe that might be about reading Matthew, Mark, Luke or John and taking some time to really dig into that. It might be about talking with someone else and saying, I'm not sure how to hear this voice of Jesus. Can you help me with that? These are the sorts of things that I'm thinking. Would you say that that lines up? So am I letting Jesus lead me? Am I trusting in Jesus' provision? Am I trusting that Jesus does want to lead me to places where I can experience life to the fullest? Even if it doesn't feel like that right now, Am I trusting that Jesus will provide? Or am I listening to other voices that I know are actually dragging me away from Jesus' best and dragging me away from Jesus' truth? 
Am I trusting in Jesus' protection, particularly for those of you, and I know there are some of you who are going through some storms at the moment. Are you trusting in Jesus' protection? Or are you tempted to just run and try and do your own thing and look after things or trying to panic and freak out? Are you trusting in the protection that comes from Jesus? For some of us, it could be helpful this week just to take some time to reflect on this amazing reality that we have the ability to have the same kind of intimate relationship with Jesus that he has with the Father and all of the implications that come out of that. It could be something that's completely unrelated to any of those other things that you've heard Jesus saying to you this morning. But I want to give you a few moments to be able to think about that and to process that. So as I said, jot some thoughts down, there'll be some music on, and uh, talk with the person next to you if that's helpful. Then we'll come back and wrap up uh, with a prayer and then transition into communion. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful picture that you paint for us of what your desire is for us individually and collectively as a church. We thank you that it's not some top-down hierarchical relationship. We thank you that it's not some pushy relationship where you boss us around or drive us from behind. We thank you that it's not some relationship that's based on a whole bunch of rules and things that we have to do, but that you paint this beautiful picture of us having this intimate, connected relationship with you where we just know your voice and we're able to respond to the things that you want to lead us into. We're able to trust you to lead us into the places where you will provide for us and give us the life that we know we were created to live and where you will protect us from the storms that come our way. 
We thank you for this staggering reality that the sort of relationship that you crave to have with us is the same relationship that you have with the Father. That's absolutely amazing. And I pray that as we head into this week, that you would continue to challenge us about what that looks like. Continue to challenge us when we put barriers between us and you, when we continue to think that there's hoops that we have to jump through or things that we have to do. Help us to remember that all we need to do is to stop and to listen and to be able to connect with you. And we thank you that that's the picture that you give us as a church, that together we are under your leadership as this beautiful shepherd leader who draws us on out of a relationship of trust. We thank you for the way in which you continue to lead us as a church, the way in which you continue to provide for us as a church and the way in which you continue to protect us as a church. We pray that we would continue to be able to understand what it means to be your sheep as we follow you as our good shepherd. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.